Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. And I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Celebrity Book Club. That knocking at the door It's all your friends, you filthy whore Your husband's gone And we've got books And a bottle of wine to kill It's Hollywood It's books It's gossip I'm shook It's memoirs It's martinis It's Studio 54 It's Celebrity Book Club Come read it while it's hot Celebrity Book Club Tell your secrets, we won't talk Celebrity Book Club No boys are allowed Celebrity Book Club Club. Buzz me in, I brought the Cuervo. Hey, hey best, best friend! What the fuck is up, DJ Lily Murata? What is up? Wicka, wicka, wicka! DJ Stephen Phillips Horse. So fucking good to see you, my dog. Dude, it is so good to see you. Um, Dude, are you still fucking hungover? <laughs> yeah, I literally am. So yeah, not to make... All of our club kids and listeners, jealous. Wildly jealous, but y'all bitches know it's Gemini season, so I had to turn up. Because, yes, last week was my birthday area. It was my girl's 30 beep fourth birthday. <laughs> Thank you for beeping and then I'm beeping. No, because I'm your ridiculous, bitchy best friend. and I'm <laughs> gonna... it like it is. But it was like when I turned... 34, six months ago. And by the way, I just want to say in honor of you, I didn't even really make a big deal about my half birthday, which was... No, thank you for stepping back and like letting the lights shine on someone else. Because I know the half birthday is really huge in Italian American culture. <laughs> it is. No, we sing a special song. We do a tarantella. Yeah. Um, and in my in my other culture, my Irish culture, that's when you actually you 
create these limericks and then you go down to a river and you write the limericks on an old parchment and toss <laughs> them in. And you put it in a bottle. And watch the creek <laughs> carry them away and hope that your dreams come true. And then by the time it's your birthday after that, the limerick hopefully will circle around the It'll creek circle and circle back, back to into you. the tides at a down at Lofbeg. Um, but dude, yeah, I'm still literally recovering from your birthday week. Yeah, I had a fucking epic birthday. I almost, not to scare everyone here, but I actually almost passed away the day after your birthday. Because of the hangover. Yeah. The day, so which, sorry, I'm just asking which of my birthdays. Your second, your big yeah, birthday, not your birthday. kind of super so It's important to have like, you know, A, it's important to do what you want to do. Don't. And I always say this. And I had an intimate dinner um, with just my significant other and then two other folks um, at a really storied steakhouse in Manhattan, which was just so old school and iconic. And so freaking old. We school. also went shopping and got a room at the Montreal. <laughs> and that. Had a fun day. Yeah, we had a fun day. We bought shorts. But yeah, so that was really cool. And then two days later, I of course had an epic banquet, which was basically a wedding. You married yourself in yeah. true narcissistic fashion. It's the carry. It's like, oh, you know, straight people are A's. They're all getting married and the babies. And it's like, well, why can't you throw yourself a rehearsal dinner at a large Italian restaurant? on the water. Yeah. Like, why not celebrate those moments? Because you don't know when life is going to snatch them away. Oh, no. And you have to savor the penne vodka. Right. I could get doored on a revel next week. Oh, don't say that. I know. Knock on wood. <laughs> um, but all that partying kind of makes me think of, I don't know, the book we read. <laughs> That's so true. Because our book that we read this week is about an iconic partyist. Yeah. Someone who really defined an era the end of an era, the beginning of an era. I would say, that, yeah, a few eras. I, I, would, I would say maybe we're still in this era to some extent. Yes, we maybe are. Not, maybe not you and I, but I think the world is still very much in the uh, EDM Coachella era. Right. But we're out of like Electro Clash. But then also we're still, let me just say his name before okay. we get too deep. We're talking Legendary about DJ. Steve Aoki and his memoir. Blue. The Color of Noise. Okay, so... Steve Aoki, of course, he's a DJ producer, but I mean, I don't think you maybe know his tracks per se. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, throughout this whole book when he was like, oh, and that's when like I did that like Justice remix and that's when I did that Kid Cudi remix. And I was kind of like, cool, so you're biggest infamous remixes that's the thing about djs it's really about the experience it's about the experience and being there live but you know back i would say in the blog house era and like french touch you know i was very into (laughs) blog house stuff and you know i'm a huge fan of like french touch and like a lot of those and remix culture was a big part of that i remember in senior year of college I would go to hype machine every day and i would see like what are the latest tracks bubbling up and you know, it was like Milo and Justice and Daft Punk and Phoenix, I think were all like, and then of course, like remix, you know, DJs like Fred Falk and Alan Brax were really at the top of that movement. And you would like hear those tracks when you were out at Lit Lounge mm. and you were getting Blackout at 151 or Sway like in 2008. <laughs> 151. <laughs> I think also reading this, like I didn't realize. Obviously, because I'm not like a Steve Aoki historian, you know, I just kind of assume like, oh, okay, he's just like a well-known cheesy DJ. And I feel like he really actually is the combination of our like musical tastes and wants a little bit. Not that I'm like into Christian hardcore at all, but his background background is so because he's so into hardcore and like going to shows and like like, having a punk house and just like collecting seven inches and like going to a vinyl pressing plant and like being like, oh, man, like. 
why would I ever like put a song in a CD when I could do it vinyl? And then he switches to just like DJing and being so Daft Punk. And, being, and I was like, and, yeah. This but even is more so, so I mean, like I, you know, I do love Daft Punk. I've seen Daft Punk concert. I like You're a lot of those. With Daft Punk. I mean, I'm like a nerd and I like French music and like I've seen I mean Cuckabee's Australian but they're kind of that same sound I, like oh they're Australian I assumed they're French they they are very, they're basically of that like scene I mean I've seen them in Paris okay mm. and of course you know I love like Phoenix and like a lot of nerdy people like that kind of music but like his music is more to situate it for folks it's more like of the Avicii like totally like EDM electric daisy carnival like Coachella like drops like when you think like and then like like, i'm topless i'm going crazy like right i have like crazy braids i mean it's like post rave culture you're talking about 90s yeah like post 90s he's post rave because in the 90s he was like in high school i don't think he doesn't sound like he was into really like dance music or techno or or anything like that right in the beginning of the book i was like so when did you end up just like being the biggest like remixer of mainstream songs (laughs) (laughs) your whole thing is being like i was like so punk and into christian hardcore and then and well goodness he has this whole label the whole time he's being so coachella he also has this like indie label that he has like you know whatever indie bands and he's trying to like sign like at the drive-in and pretty girls make graves and and just like he actually passed over the arcade fire because they offered him an ep and he was like i only want that we can do an album and then he was like and i do admit that i was a little too conceited at that point yeah which is a lesson for us all well and also very like to sort of reference his own genre of music that that you might be familiar with throughout the book there's these italicized sections called drop so it's I think that's him being like and you know the drop is coming and like there are these more kind of introspective like more poetic sections that are kind of random I mean it's so straight DJ no offense to our very very good friend DJ physical therapy but it yeah him being like I am this poet well in each in each italicized drop section is just like a it's just like whoa sorry did I just blow your mind and my mind like here's a drop section I don't always look at the color of someone's eyes (laughs) anyway it's not the first thing I noticed Maybe that's because so many people I know hide their eyes behind a pair of shades, day or night, inside or out, because he's hanging out with, like, so many Grammys people. We're just, like, oh, yeah, he's so like, many Grammys. Yeah, the I people just, like, I roll with, uh, yeah, they're usually in freaking sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, like, honestly epic because, yeah, no, I, too, want to roll with people. Uh, yeah, I always want a fucking tour bus backstage. Well, to bring back to your party, your gala for a second. Please do. When we were leaving and I was like, you know, it was nightfall but again, like daylight savings time or whatever, (laughs) like the sun is out longer lately. Um, (laughs) And I was like, oh, should I like bring my sunglasses because it goes with the look but I was like, oh, is that going to look like Two joke sunglasses at night. Right. But then I got there and it was so sunny. A joke was on you because we were in a sunset venue, like <laughs> yeah. at sunset on the water. And the, wa- and the sun's reflecting off the water. It's like reflecting off all the big glass windows. And you were just like, damn, a bitch can't see. Yeah. And I was like, I need these shades. <laughs> so I was rocking these shades and other people were rocking shades. So, yeah, ultimately, we are Steve Aoki. We roll with people who wear sunglasses. We roll with people who wear sunglasses at night. Fuck, yeah. We roll with the DJs. We are about it. We are badass and we wait for drops and we bring drops. And there's, I mean, there is nothing more Grammys than wearing sunglasses. And like a silver blazer. Yeah. Should we back up? Yeah, let's back up for a second 
to when my jaw dropped. Well, my jaw dropped maybe on the very first page when he reveals. <laughs> that he is the heir to Benihana. <laughs> <laughs> His father founded Benihana. Rocky Aoki. <laughs> Um, so his parents are from Japan, and his grandfather started a tea house, tea house in Tokyo um, after right the after- war, and and he named it after because Benihana means red flower in Japanese. And the grandfather saw like a red flower growing out of the rubble, and it was so like a tree grows in Brooklyn. It was just like the war had just happened, and it was I was just, like, feeling yeah, very like sharing clueless, like reading this oh. book just, and I was being so like, whoa, what we did to Japan, just like very like I did know that like we bombed Japan. <laughs> yeah, if you twice. heard of the one example <laughs> of nuclear warfare in the history of humankind, but I was kind of sitting on the couch being like, whoa, this is like. Really fucked up. Yeah, I know. And yeah, actually, it's like, very interesting. A lot of people have actually said that. And when you look back at Nagasaki and Hiroshima, it's just like, that actually was fucked up. It was seriously fucked up. No, I mean, listen, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Truman was a terrorist. Unlike, and I, and I, sorry, but I do not think that we needed to drop those bombs. No. And I remember. I my, agree with you. No, and I've always thought that. <laughs> and I said, you know, people always say this, like, well, why not just drop one? like on an uninhabited area just to show that you could. You know what I mean? Then they may have been like, Classic. okay, yeah. you know, all right, we got it. We'll stop. No, but they said, let's drop two bombs. Let's drop two. And they didn't even give them like that much time between the bombs. Like maybe even after the first one, they would have been like, okay, we got it. We're going to like surrender or whatever. And they're like, no, we have to do a second. Evil. The U.S.? No, I, I'm sorry. And I know this is going to be no, shocking to everyone of- for... No, I know. I mean, I know our listeners, they're they're famously anti-imperialist or whatever. But no, I've just, I've never been a big fan of those two bombs. But no, I mean, Tokyo was not bombed, or at least not by a nuclear warhead. But in any event, the Benihana restaurant was named after a red flower that was supposed to symbolize like growth and hope after despair and sadness. Um, And his grandfather had these tea houses that just like served like tea and just like little snacks. He sounded sort of chill and he's like... They, did, they yeah. bared little resemblance to the Benihana restaurant chain that my father founded in America years later. Which I know, <laughs> Which I'm so obsessed like, with him just being like, oh, my grandfather's tea houses were like super chic and serving these like little snacks and tea. And then he's like, and then my father's like. Just invented like the most insane <laughs> theme restaurant in history where just like people throwing food into the air and it's like celebrities. So his father, if I may, I love, I know people love when I do this on the pod, show you a picture and then we'll kind of. His father, like, is our style icon. It's just, like, full, like, Saturday Night Fever. Wow. Like, he's wearing a white suit, black shirt, oversuit. Yeah, like, I mean, he's super fab. Um, I mean, you can tell that this guy obviously has three secret families. Yeah, so he starts Benihana. In New York oh, he, City. And he goes to Cornell School of Hospitality. I feel like, wait, didn't he say he wanted to go oh, to Cornell? Oh, he wanted to, and then he didn't. And which then is, he sort of didn't. Which is very me, as we've discussed, <laughs> how I wanted to go to School of Hospitality. Was that in, Was that a reach? Was that on your reach list? Funny, or? the weird difference between me and Rocky Aoki is he didn't speak English. And instead of like going to Cornell, he was like, well, I'm just going to save up and work really hard and like start a worldwide chain of insane restaurants and... I have yet to do that. Right. Well, you want to start a hotel chain. Though. Yeah, I want to start a hotel chain. I also want to start my... Which big, will obviously have a huge food and bev like, my, component to Well, because my Benny Hanna, my kind of theme, and every time I say this, people, no one really latches onto it, but I think it's an amazing yeah, idea. Pitch me. Elevator. Go. Hey, sharks. Do you ever go to an amazing <laughs> restaurant with friends and colleagues and lovers and have a second location to go to, but you're really full after? Oh, Absolutely. 
Do you ever wish, oh, I wish I could just sit down for 30 minutes in a reclining chair and watch a little TV before <laughs> I get in a cab and like go to the club? <laughs> Wait, yes, literally. Okay, I want to start this lounge that you go into after the restaurant. You get to sit in a recliner. It's a digestion lounge. Digestion lounge. <gasps> Hydrate. Wait, yes. Maybe B12 shots. This is an amazing idea. iPads. I mean, huge screens, immersive, okay. super gorgeous. This is kind of similar to like the original concept of the wing, which was like a place for women to like get changed after work, like before <laughs> yeah. they like go to the club. And this is very like, yes, like after dinner, sorry, I'm full. I can't get stuffed into a cab. And like go dance. It's like, oh, let's go to the club now. Or oh, like let's go to a bar now where you're like, oh, I'm actually like, I just went to STK. Right, like, I went to STK and I'm like so full of like shrimp that's been flying through <laughs> the air and battered and it's like I would like to rest because then sometimes you're like oh well I'm actually so full I'm just gonna go home and like maybe you would actually go to a second location if, if you, you had that 30 minutes to rest and then you go home and you're like seeing all your friends on the TikTok I'm, and you're like oh wait I'm actually default now but I'm not gonna like go back up to 43rd and 3rd <laughs> I'm, I'm default <laughs> those, are your, those are your two states full and default <laughs> No, this is an incredible idea. And like, maybe there's maybe, I don't know, like oxygen. There's an oxygen bar component. Or B12. And once I told someone, they're like, oh, so a farting lounge, Lily. And I'm like, (laughs) so sure. And there's jazz playing. So I can't hear the farts. Right. Well, trumpets are famously the fartiest of instruments. So it's bebop. Maybe there's live jazz. Yeah. I mean, I'm totally here for it, honey. You're in. So is it a separate, is it just like it's located in like a high density restaurant district? Or it is like... I guess I was thinking, but I'm was it free to crit. It's connected to a restaurant. But I also think maybe it's about in a high-density restaurant area. So we have some in Meatpacking. We have right. some in West Village. We have some in Tribeca. Of course. I, I hope she says Tribeca because that's actually <laughs> that's so the highest restaurant density neighborhood in the world. Or at least one of them. Um, yeah, I, I like this idea. And it's very like leather seats and yes. comfy. But it's not such a lounge where there's so much pressure to like... Order like a nineteen. Not be tired and like get weird apps. It's like it's post. Yes. And so obviously we have to look at the prices because they're not pressuring you to get like cinnamon dulce sticks. Yeah. For that, would be a, that would be a huge, you know, part. And it would have to make sense financially so that the staff wouldn't have to be pushing. Right in the turnaround. And maybe that's a membership fee and Yeah. I mean I'd I'd pay. I want to get in one of these lounges right now. Right? Okay, well, that's an amazing idea. So here we go. Yeah, that's my idea. And I'm on board, and I and I will give you $250,000 for 20% of your company because it's going to take me a lot of time, and that's going to get me out of bed. Would morning. you consider 17.5%? I would do 18.5% with the 1% royalty on every chair sat in for the next <laughs> 10 years. Okay, deal. Okay. okay, back to Rocky. I... Rocky Aoki. He started betting Hana, had Steve Aoki and his like three siblings, then was okay, a so speedboat racer. Okay, but did you skip to the part where he was roommates with CG Ozawa? Oh my god, the, the famous Boston the Boston Symphony conductor. conductor. There's a lot of Boston references in here. A few important ones. One, 
that his father was roommates with Sijuzawa. So yeah, sorry. I feel like your mom had like a Sijuzawa BSO poster like in your condo growing up. I'm literally like picturing her office with like so many papers and and printers and scanners. Yeah, maybe it was like a fold out that she put above the desk with like the schedule or something. Oh, <laughs> like the tour dates for the BSO. Yeah. He was to say also, because you know my parents are friends with another Boston area Japanese American classical music conductor. Who? Um, Yoichi, who's the conductor for the Melrose Symphony Orchestra. Melrose Boston? Massachusetts, yeah. Melrose, sorry. Melrose has a Melrose has a symphony orchestra. orchestra. Yeah, that's right. Oh, you thought it was just a humdrum town where oh. no one listens to fancy music. You go there, you raise your kids, you have a good life. Yeah. No, they, they're classy over there. They got culture. Oh, my God. And that's the thing. You never stop learning about your hometown. And that, I feel like, is very Steve Aoki. So, so true. There's always another picture chart. Because he's not like, the end of the book, he's always like, he's like, he wants to get to know his mother better, you know? Okay, so this book, can we talk for a second? So this book is called Blue because the color blue is like significant to him. This whole book was reaching to it the stars. It was like such a reach. And he was just like, yeah, like even though Benihana is named after the red flower, when I walk into Benihana, I see the blue of the fish tanks reflected in the diner's faces. And I think that's my color. And it's just like, he's being so Teresa Caputo. So just, Caputo. Just like, oh, there's a blue oh. fish tank. Spirit is present. And it's just like, blue is literally a primary color. <laughs> like you're going to go ahead and see blue in a lot of places. Every single chapter in his italics, then he'll be like, and I threw it a, a pitch for the Dodgers. And like, yeah, I'm actually like a little more could, punk and sunglasses and I'm into BMX and mountain climbing underground sports. But like, ultimately I will go to a, like a Dodgers game and their hats are as blue as the sky. And you're kind of like, yeah, yeah. we know the Dodgers we colors. We know the Dodgers colors blue. Again, blue, it's pretty much one of the big colors. Like, <laughs> it's going to be around. You're going to be seeing blue. And if you're going to like have this insane spiritual attachment to the color blue, then yeah, every day you're going to be like, holy fucking shit. The sky is fucking blue again. And that's my dad watching over from the Benihana in the sky. His erasure of blue is the warmest color is. Well, when did this book come out? Oh, it came out in 2019. So, yeah. Yeah. I will say this. Steve Aoki's culture is not a gay one. There no. are no like gay people in this book. And I don't think gay people are really into EDM in that sense. And like going to, I mean, so Burning Man, like well, that's not his, his. This is what's interesting. It did make me think a bit about though, when I started dating my ex-girlfriend in college and that kind of electro clash culture, funky Buddha lounge, justice, uffy. Yeah, Uffy. Yeah, yeah, Him and like, Uffy have matching tats <laughs> that they got like, together. Uh, so, and I was, I feel like when Mexico was like set, being so party promoter and she was she's so. She's so Stevie Oki. I mean, yeah, she was a party promoter so, in 2008. Like, yeah. Spraying champagne. Yeah. Cobra snake. Which later Stevie Oki becomes famous for spraying stuff into the crowd. Wait, that was something. Okay, so like that. Let's talk about his props. So, when he really starts to become big, like in the Daft Punk like era, in like the Justice era of like 2008, 2009. He becomes known for, and again, he's a DJ. So, like, for people who don't know, like, a, a big DJ set is like the DJ is still just sitting up there on stage, like on the decks, and they're like jumping around and like pretending like they're doing so much stuff live, but it's a pre recorded yeah. set. And then there's like lots of props and the lighting shows. And it's really about the pyrotechnics of the stage show. Because at first, I think he 
was being so wicka 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 when they were doing like their dim mac and he was going or, yeah so much the, dim fucking, mac the fucking awesome show at cinespace oh yeah. wait oh wait we, we have to shut up okay so literally friend of the pod, pod was, jason stewart yeah host i guess of the podcast how long gone makes an appearance in this book and he was like wait do you have the page i do have the page i took a picture of it um okay wait, i have it here okay if you step back and trace the genealogy of it, our Cinespace hookup came straight out of our beauty bar parties. There's also like oh, wait, we this way that he's bar? constantly talking about the like the genealogy of like, and then we were doing a show at a party at this bar in LA, and then we started throwing another event at this venue in LA. It's sort of crazy how one thing led to another. It's like, is it crazy? Well, I do want to talk about beauty bar, but read this. There's a, well, there's a beauty bar in every city, I feel. I know, but I'm saying the way he talked about it, that was at the beginning of beauty, oh, the beauty bar, bar, era, culture. Right, beauty bar culture. And just and being like, like, it was this fucking funky ass retro well, this, bar that was supposed to be like a salon. It's like, this was before there was a beauty bar in every city. Yeah. I mean, it's just that like Gen X thing. But that's what I'm saying. It's the rocker flash. to electro clash pipeline. Yeah. Um, that's how it usually works in our underground culture. One thing led to another. It's like, I don't know if that's just an underground thing. That <laughs> yeah, one like, well, thing leads to another. That's actually good. Happen in mainstream culture. Kind of life. <laughs> how it worked here was we'd struck up a friendship with a guy named Jason Stewart, an artist slash promoter who went by the name Them Jeans. Jason was this freakishly tall fixture on the scene, maybe 6'10". So he really stood out. Hard not to notice. He was coming to all of our parties, and he took us aside one night and told us we had an open slot at Cinespace. Blah, blah, blah. And then they started hosting this party there. Um, anyway, so sorry to Jason Dory. I guess I didn't realize that him and Steve Yoki, like started the LA DJ scene. They were like yeah. BFFs and collabs and like had these epic parties and were like major collaborators. Which is fucking awesome. Which is awesome. And that goes to show we don't know much about... The 08 LA. No, we don't know much. Center space beauty bar scene. About that scene. And yeah, it was very, you know, it was peripheral for me. Like, listen, were we going, was I going to parties at Lit Lounge and Sway? Was I blackout during that era? Sure. But I was also not going to like, the most like promotery parties, I feel. Um, no. But I feel like I was I had like, there's a few Cobra Snake photos of me somewhere. Deep in a broken I mean, well, and like how Not much, iPad, does, sorry. but I feel Laptop. like that's a little bit different, though. I guess Cobra Snake is so that because Cobra Snake and like last night's party and Nikki Digital are very like. So he talks about but how much does that intersect with like the emo era? Because it's like obviously it's like misshapes to me is like a different scene. Yeah. To me, that's more gay and emo and bangs. And this was like less bangs. But I may totally wrong. And like it's all the killers and it's all the same. That's what I was saying about the touch on him being like beauty bar and uffy. Like, he went more EDM, but then there's a part of that that then goes into bangs yes, and asymmetrical. EDM really, like, started maybe a couple of years after that. But it was, like, this sort of greater blockhouse scene was being so killers and, like, slightly rock but slightly French touch and, like, everyone was doing that. And then, like, the EDM thing really started to blow up for straight people in, like, 2011. Exactly. And that's what—this is what was so— so random about him is like so he in college he lives at this legendary UC Santa Barbara punk house called the Pickle Patch where they also throwing shows and then they have oh wait die they have a sunken living room at the Pickle Patch spirit oh wait that's so spirit uh, okay. <laughs> yeah spirit is present oh wait sorry I'm wrong he in high school he's in a band and he plays at his friend's parents house who have a sunken okay that makes more sense and it made me think about. I feel like I had that same desire as him as where I like wanted to be so punk, 
but just like could never really get there. Because you are two martinis. Yeah, I'm two martinis like, to just be that punk. Like I would go to fucking all ages show Boston of Avalon, Bill's Bar, VFW halls with um, my sister's high school boyfriend. <laughs> and I would see these kids with mohawks and suspenders and Fred Perry's. And I was like, I can't wait till I have my punk crew and we just like mosh all day and we're hooligans. But then it's like, if I really wanted that, you, I could have found that. But you, you, there was something a, about you that didn't want to mosh. Yeah. I wanted to mosh, but like I did just like want to go see Charlie's Angels yeah. at Boco instead of like, like I want to go to shows, but I guess I didn't want to live that full punk house lifestyle. Yeah, because you were just like, ew, that's dirty. <laughs> <laughs> ew, sorry. Like crust bugs are disgusting. I'm not well, a fucking freak and I don't want to eat pizza out of a dumpster. I never wanted to be crust, I guess like. Well, okay, but still, but, yeah. like, you didn't actually want to be hardcore. I mean, it was also because I remember in college, remember that, what was it called? The Log Cabin? Oh, God, that was disgusting. Yeah. So, yeah, we so you know what right. I mean? Like, you're like, that was disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was the punk house that, like, was ha- so having shows. And it was like. You know, people are, like, shitting in buckets. And, like, everyone has a rat tail and there's dogs. What and was like, the, a- like, performance show we saw that, that was someone just, like fucking up an air conditioner or something oh. and it was so like and like fuck technology right like. and I feel like that's so Stevie Yuki he was like oh man at the pickle patch like well, sometimes I would team up performance artists who would like slam a fan against a wall and like that's so epic yeah and I feel like our college apartment, 1640, it's like, that was already pretty disgusting. Physically disgusting. Yeah, like, that was already gross enough. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was foul. So it's like, to go to full, and that was just like, being college, messy, we're just paying like $100, yeah. $100 for rent. It's like, that's enough, not going the full. Yeah, you were like, I already have like, my roommate's yogurt covered underwear <laughs> in the freezer because he's trying Has to combat yeast a, an anal yeast infection. Like, I don't then need to go to this nasty punk house. That is the Stevie Oki era because it was, I remember, sorry to put her on blast here, literally. It was like American apparel underwear that Wonka filled with yogurt. Yeah. That was foul. Put on. It was so. probably um. It was probably boosted underwear too. So our friend Dale worked at. <laughs> they at both did. Yeah, they both did. Yeah. And you, did you ever work at AA? I no, I didn't. That's also a very. I mean, I think Stevie Oki. But is I made real, out I think, with like a American Apparel brand rep. Oh, store opener, that girl. Oh, I I think I know you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Her name rhymes with Lebby. <laughs> No, I'm actually talking about someone else when we played Spin the Bottle also that summer. Oh, okay. I don't remember this person. Her name was... I don't remember. Wow, another fucking girl that literally didn't even know who. <laughs> but I feel like she was one the of the misogyny. <laughs> I think it was Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, that is ringing a bell. Yes. I mean, that's such an American Apparel store opener And she, name. like, went to different stores and, like, opened wow. them. Huge. Um, dream job. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she was like best friends with Stevie Oki. Yeah, that uh, era was oh, so American <laughs> up here. Yeah, Aoki goes from this pickle patch, and it's not just like hardcore. In high school, he's really into Christian hardcore. Yeah, because he so he does acid once. Like someone gives him this tab of acid, and he called it funny paper. And he's just like, and I had this crazy day where like my friend Alex drove me around, and I was laughing and everything. But then like at the end of the day, we like went to like someone's parents' house, and I started to like come out of my trip, and I was really paranoid. And then I never did drugs again for like six years, and I was only into Christian hardcore. And I like got my whole family 
coming into Christianity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then he was like, no. And I was like begging my mom to like go to church. And he would be like, yeah, she's actually like so fucking fake. Like she just goes to church to like for community, but like isn't actually about like the fucking prayers and shit. And he was fully into the prayers. Which is kind of you. I feel like in high school, you were also like straight edge. Well, I, yeah, I was. Had to do with repression, homosexual. I was repressed and homosexual and I didn't masturbate until I was in high school. And I just, you know, I had really honestly, like not until sophomore year. I mean, I was very, had a lot of, it was a lot of clamped in energy. Um, Speaking of high school, okay. When the nuns made him draw his own vision of hell on the chalkboard. Did you remember that part? No. He, like, went to this Catholic school at some point, and the nuns would, if you, like, did something bad, they would make you draw what you thought hell looked like on the chalkboard, which is such a, like, psycho creative punishment. I mean, I think that's a lot. I feel like both of our moms, like, went to Catholic school or whatever, and, like, everyone has, like, such insane... Well, it's always the rulers on the fingers. Yeah, the rulers, the this, the weird punishments. I was going to ask you what your version of hell is that you would draw on the chalkboard. Well, you know, I have my famous childhood drawing. Okay. That I did call Lily's Hell, but it wasn't, it was also my idea of hell, I guess. And this is so me and so twisted and so pickle patch. I was like, well, hell is actually the coolest place. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was so fucking punk. So fucking punk. <laughs> but I guess right now, if you were to ask me what my ideal idea of hell is. Um, I'll go first. Yeah, it seems like you got something on the mind. Smorgasburg on a hot okay. day. <laughs> <laughs> Prospect what? Park, middle of the park. Sorry, yeah. no. Wa- it's No, this is my idea of hell. Trying to find Smorgasbird yeah. in Prospect Park, yeah. 90 degrees, no relief. And it's like, to me, it's like that environment, it's so waiting in line. Like, if there is anything I deplore more in the American psyche, it is the desire to wait in lines. Like, people in this country will get in the line for hours. It's like Disney World. It's all lines. It's all just like, let me wait in a hot line. It's all I want to do is sit here. Because like you have this idea that, well, if all these people are waiting in line for it, it's got to be good. So I'll just wait as long as I can. Funny you say that. Because I feel like you love going to, you know, the hottest restaurant, the hottest this. Yeah, but I don't like waiting in lines. And I don't, and I don't fucking do it. Well, that's it. You actually, you have that personality. I will wait in line for like seven minutes. But I'm not like... If something's going to be No, like, you're not waiting for a cronut. No, absolutely not. I mean, the other day, I went to Gush, and it was like so many... But you went to Gush? I went to Gush. Yeah, I went to... Well, I didn't go to Gush, because I went there, it was like 1230, it was in, at this like this like lesbian event, and it was like so many Gen Zs, it was like a hundred Gen Zs on the sidewalk, like, craving to get in, and I was just like there with my boyfriend and like his younger friends, and I was kind of just like... I'm not doing this. I'm tapping out. I'm actually <laughs> tapping out. Like, I'm just, I'm past this point in my career where I just, my partying career where I want to sit on a street corner for like 35 minutes maybe to get into this venue. No. And I went yeah. to Happy Fun inside and it was a bar and it was fun. And it was. You sat down and had a, had a and glass I, of wine. I, I, I had a glass of beer with some of my old college friends and we had a gas reminiscing. And I was in bed by two. This episode is sponsored by ZocDoc. You're trying to find a cause for your symptoms. 
Achy back, headache, runny nose, itchy eye, wart on my genitals. So let me guess, you stumble down a TikTok rabbit hole full of questionable advice from so-called experts. Suddenly I have cancer? Uh, no thank you. <laughs> there are better ways to get the answers you want and the care you deserve from trusted professionals and not random people on the internet. Though randoms, I love you, and my TikTok addiction, yeah, it stands. But I'm sorry, Lily, you shouldn't be getting medical advice from some girl in her grandmother's basement in Toronto. ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care you need and deliver the type of experience you want. That's right. Ditch the talk, get the doc. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. No more doctor roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't met yet. Mm, I love a trusted guide, like the time I climbed to Machu Picchu on the Inca Trail with a team of Sherpas. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. So find your Sherpa at ZocDoc.com. Go to ZocDoc.com slash book club and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Slay. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash book club. ZocDoc.com slash book club. Ditch the talk. I want to talk just I want to read no, 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 the part yeah. about beauty bar. Get back to the beauty bar sex. Um because I think this reveals this part of retro culture that like came back in 07 and 08 that we now are like oh this bar is everywhere but then it was literally revolutionary. Here again, I want to stress that the fucking awesome party wasn't my deal. Also, calling a party fucking awesome, that, like, begins awesome sauce culture. Yep. It had been going on before I got there. I didn't start it. I didn't name it. But once I signed on, I kind of helped it along. The party was held in a small retro-type bar in Hollywood called the Beauty Bar, done up to look like an old-fashioned beauty salon. There were salon-style chairs and hair dryers lined up on one side of the wall to make the place look like a throwback to the beauty parlors of the 50s and 60s. It had a kitschy feel that people seemed to dig. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, man. It was fucking kitschy. Like, there was just yeah. something weird and kitschy about it. Just like the fucking 50s. And not in a rockabilly way of just being like, no, we held an, I don't know, awesome dance party and they had weird salon chairs. Yeah, because it's like his scene is never really committing to rockabilly at all, like as an aesthetic. It's just like, the 50s are cool sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, that's... Which is honestly <laughs> that's, true. That's the Word to God. <laughs> yeah. So we should probably get into his kind of collab, his more mainstream collabs after kind of his French stuff, his Cinespace, his beauty parlor, his pickle patch, when he becomes fully like Coachella and like Kanye, MIA, he, Drake. Yeah. He works with all these people. Did he actually produce any of their tracks or he just like was asked to do remixes for their like remix albums? Yeah. And some they didn't even kind of fully go through. And he spends like a chapter talking about how 
Kanye once called him and he was driving and he puts Kanye in speaker and Kanye asks if he could spit out a verse for him. And he's like, no one has ever asked me that. Just, hey, can you hear this? And it's like, really? No one's just asked you to like hear something and get feedback on? Yeah, but I guess he meant no rappers asked me to like... Probably. Rap? And hmm. anyway, Kanye spits a verse... And he's blown and he's away. Blown away. Yeah, he's also blown away by like that Drake lyric, like on that song "Greatest." That's very just like okay, fine. He's like, when you hear this lyric, and the lyric is just like, I'm gonna put my dick in life wait, and like I fuck it till I come. And he's like, when you hear that lyric, wait, read yeah. The part. So he goes, check it, Colin. Big fame, big chains. I stuck my dick inside this life until that bitch came. I went hard all fall like the ball teams just so I can make it rain all spring. You're kind of, that shit is hard, man. You don't forget lines like these. <laughs> Even if you're hearing through the cell phone, it's like if I'm listening to Drake just playing on my Say, like, Spotify. Say, like, I fall hard in the fall oh, so I can like, <laughs> do well in the spring. I'm not just like, okay, that's the most amazing, like genius lyric I've ever heard. And I'll admit, I like Drake. Oh yeah, sure, but I don't. I don't. I'm not like every time I hear. I'm. Like, I mean, every time I hear a single Nicki Minaj lyric, I'm like, that's the funniest, <laughs> smartest thing I've ever heard anyone say in my life. But uh, yeah, I don't necessarily feel that way about other lyricists. But yeah, I mean, he's just like this is the thing. It's like I, you know, Stevie is not really known for his music, and like yeah, he's like a. I can do a really serviceable remix. I was just listening to the Thriller remix that he talks about. Yeah. So he's asked to do a remix of Thriller for some like reissue of Michael Jackson after post, post his passing. And he's like, idolized Michael Jackson growing up, looked up to him. That's another part where he's just like, man, I love Michael Jackson. I was obsessed with the Thriller music video. And it's like, yeah, everybody was literally the most famous person of all time. <laughs> right. And then he's like, and yes, we can It's look back. And he did some questionable things, but... Oh wait, he I don't remember. He did that he part. has one line where he's like he, I'm sure the editor was like, well, You we gotta have to, put something yeah. in. And um, he was like, That's right, man. That's why you're my editor and that's why you're the shit. But so he does this remix that he like admits as he's doing the book, he's like on tour while he's like working on this remix that he kind of phones it in a bit. And then, like, the Jackson estate people, like, listen to it, and they're kind of like, okay, like, this is okay. This is fine, but can you... Yeah, and then they kind of send it back, and then he's like, you know what, no, I actually, like, I didn't put enough energy into this, I need to, like, you know, spend another round on this. It's a real come to God or come to blue moment. Yeah, come to, that's a come to blue for him. <laughs> Where and he's then, like, I was fucking phoning in, that's the thing, you have to look within yourself, and you have to kick your ass. To kick your own ass and, like, spend two days in the studio, like, in silence before you, like, really make that track sing, and, like... You know, I had sort of a similar process when I was working on the Shania Twain remix for our theme song where it's mm. like I did it once and I was like, this isn't hitting. Like, I need to get back in the studio. There's something missing. And so I was listening to the Thriller remix you did. And it is, it is like, it's good for what it is. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't find it like, it's not like very artistic or interesting, but it's like. This is just a Thriller remix. It's a Thriller remix where it's like, you know, he kind of separates on the elements and has like a cool kind of funky guitar slap in it and the bass line's pumping, but it's like. You know, it has a ton of drops in it, and it's very, like, something you would play at a cheesy club for straight people on a Friday or Saturday night. And everyone would be like, oh, shit! I mean, that's what his music is. Right, it's, it's music oh, to make shit. straight people go, oh, shit, too. Honestly, going to an EDM festival, that actually might be... Oh, your hell? My hell. Yeah. I think I would find it fun for, like, um, like a few hours. Yeah, um, 
It's it's just it's going to be so hot and the bracelets and well that's the lines for water the lines for the bathroom the lines for food the lines for everything too much but <laughs> I mean having to remix Thriller no it's I mean, a death wish it's an absolute death wish it's a legendary track my dude I mean and he really does on I mean it's not that different than the track like and the first time he remixes a song for the Jackson Estate. He chooses like a rare song because he's like, I'm not gonna choose. I'm not gonna ch- touch like. Wait, I want can we you talk about? ABC, um, like... Of course, he talks about September 11th. There's actually a lot of tragedies. That no, that that the September 11th section when he starts out, he's like, so I was at my dad's apartment because he was opening a Benihana <laughs> in <laughs> Chicago <laughs> while my sister Devin Aoki was on tour bus with Lenny Kravitz, who she, <laughs> who was, she was dating, dating at, at the, the time. time, and it's like, Jinx. of course, yeah, this is everyone's 9/11 experience. <laughs> yeah. Dad's opening at Benny Han in Chicago and your sister's on tour with Lenny Kravitz. And so he's like, so I'm staying at my dad's apartment and like no on one can find side. me. And, you know, one of my other sister like calls me and is like, you got to leave, man. I'm leaving. I'm like on a bus to Philly or something like that. And he was like, that wasn't my reaction. September 11th I actually started running toward the smoke. And it's like, well, that's insane and it's like this insane like kind of tom cruise image of him just like running downtown like towards the towers okay you know what this is actually very this is very not carrie bradshaw no 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 (laughs) um it's very the hbo max original series the flight attendant how when there's that plane crash Mm -hmm. in her childhood flashback she runs to the plane crash because she actually courts chaos and she craves chaos right. and disaster. She wants to be near it. And that's kind of the Rocky Aoki in him. It's the three families. It's yeah. the speed. So, oh, we, we didn't we, mention yeah, that his, his dad is a speedboat racer. And his dad has two secret wives with multiple families with each one that was revealed like later in his childhood. Because his dad got in a coma from a speedboat racing accident. Same. And like all was revealed on the hospital <laughs> yeah. bed as he was in recovery. And then he was like, oh, I actually have like seven half sisters and like a third brother. And then the dad, so epic, like woke up from his coma and was like, oh shit, now oh, I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And let me like bring my all my three families together. Also, David Aoki, just sidebar. Devin. Devin. Who we love, who's in Debs, yeah. who's an iconic actress slash model. Who I didn't know, like, retired to be a full-time mother, and he talks about that. And he's like, and I actually think that's so epic that my supermodel sister and actress, Devin Aoki, found <laughs> mother and found family and committed to the Aoki, like, legend of family and, like, is a mother. And she is a mother, and she got out while the going was good. I mean, he kind of implies that, like, she dipped when she was peaking. Which she respects her for. Which is actually, and I am deeply respectful of anyone who has the courage to do that because it's like, you know, what is fame? It's an elusive giant. You keep chasing that dragon and you'll never get it back. And it's just like, you know, do you keep doing it forever? Do you know when to bow out? Like if I was in Fast and the Furious 2, would I, you know, just take that check and say, this is it. Okay, this is it. Time to go. Maybe you should have. Right, have to not, and not do six in Tokyo Drift and Tokyo Escapade. And- right, and, you're, and it's like you're getting diminishing returns and then you die in a car accident. Um, I wanted to discuss a sort of motif. Mm, beyond the blue? No, more um, in his performances, which is the like shooting stuff at an audience. He starts doing super soakers. 
and like which is epic which is totally fucking epic <laughs> then he moves on to like rafts and like it was all this like I mean crowd surfing is nothing new but he was crowd surfing with rafts and like as you know inflatables are a huge part of EDM culture it's always it's like it's unicorn yeah, it's kid life it's yeah there's something quite infantilizing about it it's always like let me hug a big palm tree and just like it's girls on the shoulders like wearing like a big which is kind of fucking hat or whatever because that is the fucking awesome. It's awesome sauce, 90s, yeah. 80s, bright colors. It's, yeah, I guess it. It's, maybe it's like the bright colors of the 80s and like beach stuff and like sort of the... Big fun things. Big fun things and kind of like mammy slash pool culture like becoming global. It's um, also cool that he kind of... <laughs> it is actually pretty epic that he takes kind of pickle patch life of like crowd surfing and punk stuff. And makes it mainstream. Makes it raft. <laughs> no, it's true. And like, and you know, I love the scene where... So he talks about there was one concert where he jumps on the raft and like, he's like, yeah, and this girl got hurt. She got whiplash or whatever. And so then we couldn't do raps after that. I'm like, he's, <laughs> he's really just not taking responsibility for her he's potential like, oh, injury. random. Cause it's like, that does sound so dangerous. Cause it's like, well, yeah, if you're in a raft and water, it's inflatable. But if you're in a raft and still like hit the ground at Lala or whatever, but, at- you know, that's like, well, that's same thing culture. with crowd, crowd surfing. Wait, well, hold on. So- I found the part where he says, oh, okay. And here the thing with the rafts just got bigger and bigger. Over hundreds and hundreds of shows, it became a thing, a talked about thing. And then boom, a fan got hurt. She'd apparently been standing underneath the raft as I dive bomb into it at one of my shows and got hit in the head, whiplashed, whatever. A bunch of lawyers got involved. <laughs> a settlement was reached. Just like that, the raps were retired. Notice the use of passive voice to absolve himself of responsibility. Oh, and look, it's a woman who got whiplash. Right, she got whiplash. Lawyers got involved. Huh, that's interesting. Hmm, sound like that was settled pretty easily. But yeah, I mean, it is just kind of like, well, yeah, maybe that happens. Like, if you're at a show, like, maybe you are going to get a little bit hurt, but like you'll be fine. No, it's I like mean, don't I, go up into the fucking mosh pit if you don't want to get whiplash. And I remember feeling so fucking cool when I would get in the mosh pit, and then you would and get then, whiplash. Well, and then the next day, like <laughs> woke up with bruises, and I'd be like, hmm, "Yeah, sorry, I was just moshing all weekend, so I do have one bruise on my arm." <laughs> um, wait, do you remember? When we were in Chicago, mm-hmm. and we went to that Fergie concert sponsored oh, by Victoria's Secret. Best day of our goddamn lives. And they were shooting t-shirts into the audience. Kristen Cavallari. Kristen Cavallari was one of the t-shirt girls, and she wasn't even like advertised as being part of that. She was just working the event. No, she was not advertised. Oh, I mean, and by the way, wait. That's sorry, insane wait. to just be a random booth hoe at this Spirit, <laughs> spirit, concert. spirit. We took a raft to that concert. Okay, it wasn't a raft. It was a water taxi. <laughs> it, I feel like the water taxi a was... A raft so... is inflatable. We did not take an inflatable I thought it was, boat. I thought we took an inflatable boat. Was it a tiny water taxi? I think it was a tiny water taxi that was like fiberglass, like boat material. Um, And somehow <laughs> we, it was like, we signed up for free tickets and we like printed them out probably like at SASC. Fergie had just come out with the best album of our generation. The Duchess. The Duchess. Yeah. <laughs> she did every single track on it. Every single track is a banger. The pipes, yeah. her pipes were incredible. And the seating, I feel like, was big Victoria's, like, inflatable big Victoria's Secret boxes. Yeah, I remember there was a lot of, like, pink by Victoria's Secret, like, installations. and. I truly do wonder, because I guess in our minds, I remember we were like, oh my god, that's Kristen Cavallari. And she was definitely, like, star booth hoe, but, like... 
<laughs> it was still so still weird. Just like she was just throwing t-shirts into the audience. But that is throwing stuff at the audience culture, which I do think was like <laughs> really starting culture. to like take hold at that moment. And I imagine if you went to like Electric Daisy Carnival or whatever, there would be still be a lot of like inflatables like getting tossed into the audience. Well, not to call you out, but I think like throwing T-shirts in the air have been around from guns have been around at sports for quite a while. Have they, though? Like in the 80s, 80s with their T-shirt yeah. guns? Okay. Let's, uh, but, but, let's not in a, but not in a music context. No. Well, it's like, maybe it's like I wonder, were they doing that at like a Van Halen concert? Interesting. Were they throwing out T-shirts at Woodstock? <laughs> <laughs> Who was the first, like, sort of like crowd surfing historians? Like, what was the first T-shirt to ever be launched at a fan? <laughs> With violent speed. <laughs> okay, before we get into segments, the other party trick. So he ends rafts because of the lawsuit, but also because he's like, oh, uh, yeah, sometimes when things are too popular, like very definite Yuki, leave it on a good note. So his new thing is, and it all goes back to a hometown hero's cake. And yes. he buys a cake at a stop and shop in Boston. Oh, yeah. This is what's so insane is the Boston connection. The Boston, the, yeah. The invention of cakes. And so he buys, he buys like a sheet, like a super You know, magnet. if he really wanted to add a Boston, then he would have gotten it a market basket. Well, Stop and Shop is a Boston. Is it a Boston-based company? I think it's a Boston-based chain, yeah. They have, I mean, they're in Connecticut. There's maybe one in New York. We'll see. We'll anyway, and then cakes become his thing. Right. So it's you, and and girls come up to him at the, at the front of these EDM concerts, going, "I want to get caked," and everyone is just like such a You're bottom right. to be caked. Oh, I'm right. You're, yeah, the, the headquarters on Quincy. Hello, which, hello. Which I was actually looking this up. Also has a symphony orchestra. Sorry, Quincy. Okay, Quincy, Quincy. has a symphony orchestra, and so does Melrose, <laughs> and so does Melrose. Yeah, and Shop and Shop headquarters are based in Shop in. Yeah, so basically, Greater Boston has a lot more culture than you think. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you think it's this? Oh, all, it's, all, it's all about downtown. Beer. It's all about you know the back bay, the or whatever. Boats, so whatever. Actually, no. The stop, Melrose, Quincy. <laughs> everything inside of one twenty eight like has a lot to offer. <laughs> okay. Um. Anyway, yeah, and then he gets, like, so humiliated because his thing is so cake that when he finally gets to throw that blue pitch at Dodger Stadium, he throws a cupcake, and obviously it doesn't land. Yeah, and he was really hoping it would splatter all over the catcher's mitt. And it's like, I'm sure you actually would have been called out for being, like, super disrespectful if you'd thrown this cake-made ball and it splattered. And he's like, and then there was polite applause, and I went back to my it's, seat. And it's like, why would you think a cupcake would reach also mound? Like, a, a cupcake, to, yeah, thank you. Like, aerodynamics alone, that's not <laughs> yeah. going to work. I don't care like how much of a pitcher you are B like sorry Sammy Sosa couldn't even like B that just sounds like if it had like splattered all over the like the catcher's like face cage or whatever like that would have been a fucking clean, bitch to clean up like yeah. that's actually rude to service workers well he also says that he's literally ruined many and many relationship because of his cake antics cake antics and again right before segments I do want to talk about how like how he marries an Australian obviously because what's more EDM culture Oh, I was going to say how, like, TNN. <laughs> we, like, ruined one of my mom's friendships f- through Silly String. <laughs> <laughs> or friendships. Yeah, she, we, like, the house that we stayed at in eighth grade when we went to go see Margaret Cho in oh, Provincetown. Like, yeah. In Truro. We, oh, we did, like, discover Silly String. We discovered Silly String and Silly String, like, all over their we gorgeous. We are so EDM. <laughs> Truro home. And, like, obviously we, like, cleaned it, but I guess, like, not well enough. And just, like, she can... was furious. And now they're not friends anymore? Yeah. 
So well, good riddance. I mean, she sounds yeah. uptight. <laughs> <laughs> and like ultimately, like that was a blue moment, and like that was a click, and that was the spirit. No, it was a click, and what ultimate yellow light. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one other before we go to segments, just really quickly, one other thing that I wanted to discuss was Stevie Oki has an album called Colony, spelled with a K. And I feel like there's something so EDM oh, about spelling things with a K, K instead use, of yes. a C. Like the use of K over C is like there's so it's ve- very cause. It's very cause. Oh. It's very Kardashian. Like it's very like I think Southern California, Vegas, Vegas, to and like there is something kind of like you know. I guess like beautiful about it in the fact that it is because I think C the hard C sound is so like. Catholic and New England and Anglo in this way. Right. And like K is more like German and Asian to like have like use letter K. King and Kong. King Kong. There like, you go. So I feel like there is this kind of like rejection of these like puritanical values in like the use of K over C that I see in the sort of libertine atmosphere of EDM culture. Wow. So linguist fucking <laughs> over here. Quincy bread linguist over here, Stephen Phillips host. Oh, I'd love to get bread and Quincy <laughs> right after an orchestra performance. Segment drop. What is she eat? What, what does is she, she wear? wear? How, How does, does she, she live? live? Okay, what, what is she? she what, sorry, what does she wear? What does she wear? I feel like he's. Oh wait, he I mean, he talks about blue denim. It's just like he's wearing skinny jeans. Um, he's definitely wearing leather bracelets and leather necklaces, like cord leather. You know what I mean? Stra- yeah, cord leather, and then like thin straps of leather, other sort of beads. Sil- I, um, I'm gonna say it's silver jewelry, not gold. If you know what I mean? It's very yes. like like a silver bracelet. Like a, there's like maybe a silver thing on the necklace cord. There might be like silver ring. If he has earrings, like they're silver. Like I just don't. Gee, right. But I do I think, think you're right. It's earrings. more string and leather based. I mean, I are we going to say it? Obviously fedora. I don't think he, because he has his iconic long dark hair. I feel like his hair is so iconic. That's how people know him. I'm like maybe walking to Alfred's I to almost, get a latte. I'm, I'm literally going to cheat and start and see. Okay, can I? I'll, you said, I'm going to read a quote where he okay. talks about an outfit. This isn't on stage. Let me tell you how that set played out. I hit the stage in an insane Jeremy Scott jacket, bright yellow that reflected everything. Would have looked sick under the glare of all those stage lights I've been stupidly expecting. But it was still pretty dope under that one o'clock midday sun. I brought along a bunch of my hipster female friends to strut out and shimmy on the boxes, dressed out in capes we had made from fabrics we found at a vintage clothing store. <laughs> so, yeah, he's soft, soft, tight, vintage tee, vintage rocker tees. He's like limited edition sneaker drop. I think he's in a wide LA hat I actually, sometimes. So but I, I did, you are 100% correct because I did just cheat in Google and there's none of him in a fedora. There was one picture of him in a wide LA brunch hat. And like, that is true. If you work in the music industry, you might have a wide LA brunch hat. But for the most part, he is letting his iconic locks fall, middle Straight, part. Gorgeous, middle I part. Think, yeah, because, yeah, you know, EDM culture, it's like a, the bright kid like colors, as we were saying. So I mm-hmm. think in stage shows, there is that Jeremy Scott aesthetic. Yeah. And the, the bubblegum pink. Big, the br- light colors. Yeah, the bright, that fucking Tweety Bird yellow is coming through. Maybe some neon green. I do think that he maybe isn't so sneaker and he actually might be more boot. Ooh, yeah. I guess it, there's one point where he talks about, like, collecting sneakers. But I think you're right because I'm trying to imagine him in this, like, limited edition, like, dunks and, like, 
I'm sure he has a few pair and someone's like, oh, fucking Aoki. Like, are those the 96 something? Air something? Jordans. Yeah, Air Jordans. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but he'd wear those like once and mostly it's like an insane leather boot. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a lot of leather boots. And I, and this is to his credit. I don't see him as so Bruno Mars and like shiny bomber. Mm-hmm. And like, ha, I think he's more like because this comes back to being like having that Seth Cohen upbringing where he's like, I think he's more punk, confident yes. in his punk and his altness where he's just like, I have my long hair that is my signature and like I'll rock boots and I'll rock a couple other like retro accents into my like selvage ripped whiskers jeans and yeah. my like designer t-shirt but like I'm gonna keep it a little bit more simple I well because when I think of him I just think of the hair yeah I mean and and also I think he's he's cool, at Coachella. how cool is that to have a signature hair you just have that signature hair you don't right. need this cheesy bomber also again like he is rafting he's spraying champagne it's cake so he's like maybe he'll do the Jeremy Scott shorts but he's yeah. not gonna get no, anything you don't so messy get cake all over your Marjala or I mean especially not your like 96 or Jordans that you have to like clean with the toothbrush no like, no no I have to get so much cake on them what does he eat what does he eat um oh wait so at the end of the book when he's talking about like getting close to all of his 900 siblings he's like me and my brother kevin started like a healthier offshoot called of benihana yeah and i looked it up and there's Is a it- location in tampa which we have to go to wait only tampa they but he in the book he says he wants to do vegas and i don't think it's happened yet i wonder if maybe they actually did start with a vegas that failed and like the Tampa because of weird timing reasons and like the no way in the that, book he says we have a Florida one and we're hoping to open a flagship oh they did okay so it's weird to like start not with a flagship but I, I guess. know I'm like we want to open our flagship that's <sighs> interesting know, I will, and maybe yeah. I'll do that with my lounge you know Tampa as you know has had a huge resurgence in the past lot of 10 years or so and in no small part thanks to Mayor Bob Buckthorn <laughs> 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 who some colleagues of mine in the Florida Democratic Party did go on to work for after I awesome. left. Um, and I, you know, the downtown business development district. What's it called again? Um, well, Ebor, obviously, which Ebor. is the gay neighborhood and yeah. the going the club neighborhood and also the historic cigar rolling district, you know, has seen such a resurgence. And we've seen a lot of people move there because of tax incentives. I mean, uh, a for huge businesses. growing population. Yeah, a great educated population. A lot um, of jobs. A lot of jobs. Affordable gr- houses. Great weather year round. What's not to love? So I think that I I could could see like an obvious like theme restaurants do well in Florida. Well, this is not food is like shrimp is not being thrown at you. This this location is more about throwing back to actually grandfathering. Or the more tea house vibe. Tea houses. But the menu that I looked at the menu and it was like it sounds so like massive and still just I'm like sure there's, sushi grills. And like so, so much <laughs> like of um of like diagonal mayo is, is it, on everything. Yeah, but I guess they're like, oh no, it's like super calm. Just diagonal sriracha mayo and everything, but nothing is being thrown at your face. We also you know, I've never been to a Benihana. I've never been to a Benihana. We I have mean, to go. To have been to Benihana like in its heyday. Oh my God. And you and you had just like I don't like Frank Sinatra was like rolling through and just like Cheryl Teagues. I'm trying to imagine Billy Joel. <laughs> like I'm, thinking, I'm trying to imagine like, Sinatra mouth open yeah. with like <laughs> a blue eyes. And they're just like throwing shrimp and throwing shrimp to it. I mean, yeah, the spectacle. Anyway, I want to go to Benny Honda. So, but what is but he d- eating? 
I think he's pretty healthy. I mean, he never mentions food. He doesn't. I'm just like... I don't think he actually, like, has such a love for food. And I, think I think he's so L.A. and just... Well, because now he lives in Vegas, but I think he's pretty juice. Mm. Okay. You because... Don't think- fried, like, saucy, oh. saucy cauliflower. Oh, I'm sure he goes to freaking town with a buffalo sriracha yeah. cauliflower, like that cauliflower we got the other night that was, like, meatballs. Oh, that was so, it was so And it was, big. like, covered in, in spicy mouth. mayo. I also do wonder, though, if, like, if you come from a restaurant family, like, are you, in some ways, less into food yeah, because you're not, like, so desperate. And it- I also do think, though, like, there's a difference between having a parent who is a chef and having a parent who is a restaurateur. And his dad was, like, a restaurant empirist or imperialist. Like, it was like, let, I'm going to open a chain. And, like, I'm opening many, many locations. And he would, like, take the kids out and give money. And then he was home with his mom. His mom would be like, oh, we can't afford and the that. Da- and the dad was never home. so Because it wasn't like, oh, I grew up and food was such an important part. And my dad was always like, experimenting with the recipes. And it's like, no, the dad was off, like, fucking three other moms and, like, right. launching Benihana's. Yeah, I think he juices. I think he loves a dope ramen. But, like, ultimately, like, music feeds his soul. Yeah, I agree. He eats to, he um he lives to eat. He doesn't eat to live. Yeah. How does he to live? live? So he like is really obsessed with reconnecting with his family. He fully moves to Vegas because the end of the book is just all about being Vegas strong and the Vegas shooting. Oh yeah. So he moves to Vegas. He moves his mom to Vegas. He convinces his sister and her husband to like move to Vegas. And he was like, it was actually hard because she was a teacher and he was an IT specialist. And I'm like. I don't know. That's kind of like rude. I felt I'm like was, you really like. It was randomly rude to uproot his entire extended family just so they could be in Vegas, like near him. But I'm also just like maybe I don't know. he bought them houses and whatever. It's if fab. This, I mean, it's not like it is a career that's so married to like La Jolla or wherever they were living. It's like that's true. You can do it in Vegas. I think his house has a lot of. Again, I think it has some like really sick framed posters, mm-hmm. vintage. Yeah. Um, There's definitely vintage elements like, I mean, I'm now just thinking Beauty Bar, but like, does it have those lights, the the dressing room lights like in the bathroom? Yes, yeah. And that's the kind of Vegas glam element. Like maybe that just comes with the condo. I guess I wonder when I think Vegas condo, I think very all white. But when I think of him, I think a little it's bit a little more darker. dark woods. And I think like, I feel like the coffee table is a dark wooden chest. Because he probably is like, find someone who's like a fucking awesome designer. Yeah. And they're like, Steve, you need to get this table. And like, I'm I'm thinking of the super low vintage Italian couch. Yeah. It's like, I don't think there's that much like Japanese stuff, but maybe there's like one or two really cool, like authentic accents that like he got on a trip to Japan or like, and he's just like, yeah, this is like this really awesome thing for my heritage that I had framed. And then do you think maybe there's like an inflatable from like his first show somewhere in there? Or is it so like there's all of the festival bracelets like hung up like in the closet like and there's like a section in his like huge oh, walk-in I that mean, has I like bet all the festival bracelets. I mean I bet he has such a dope dark walk-in that's like or it's maybe four pairs of like his salvage jeans hanging up yeah. like 30 and it's, deep V's. And it's so those like the under lighting <laughs> that's like the strip lighting. Maybe he has an office, and that's where all the festival bracelets are and framed. And the gold, and the gold record, thriller remix, thriller remix <laughs> record that went gold. Because he also probably has a home studio. Yeah. Um. Who are you, you in, in the, the book? book? 
I mean, I want to be Devin Aoki on and I Tour wanna, Bus with Lenny Kravitz. And I want to be Rocky Aoki with, like, starting, so starting like, your huge Benny hospitality Hanas. chain <laughs> and having three secret families. Speedboat racing. But who am I actually at right. the end of the day? At the end of the day, I think we are both half Devin and half Rocky, but... Am I... I don't think any of us are full, like... I mean, I'm not tall enough to be noted podcaster Jason Stewart. (laughs) I'm I'm not impossible to miss on the L.A. party scene. I guess, like, am I the girl getting whiplash? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and you're, like, you're being so tired from Clueless about it. I mean, like, seriously, guys? Seriously? I still, my back really hurts no, and from just Coachella. Being, like, as you know, like, I've been involved in an 18-month-long lawsuit with Steve Aoki's lawyers. And um, it's been really hard on my family, and I am working through it. So any help you have can be fine. But, like, please do come to my birthday dinner, and I hope to see you there. Fadmo me 100. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, just even talking about what left, like, my Your neck is starting to hurt. I'm getting psychosomatic whiplash <laughs> from this girl. <laughs> She's in you now. Um, are you like the lighting I'm director? Ra- yeah, uh, am I just like sounds? one of the random like writers at the zine that he was like really wanted to write on at like the vinyl warehouse? Oh yeah. Are you the maid at the bar- pickle patch? <laughs> am I a bartender at Beauty Bar in 08? I mean, I think that you are in some ways you're kind of Steve. Wow, you know, I wasn't going to say it, but now that you did... You're certainly more Steve than me. I mean, because, listen, you were going to the hardcore shows, but as we were saying, it's like you... I mean, he, I guess, committed more to mosh life, but, like, you moved from hardcore into party scene, right. you know, in, into being, like, misshapes adjacent girl, Chicago, <laughs> like... Rocker, punk, underground, flyers, rockabilly, going to punk shows, but also being martinis. Being installation. And being installation. To improv pipeline. Yeah. And I think that you've had all of those, like, you moved through, like, the late 2000s in a way that was really, like, Akin, yes. Right. And And I think, like Steve, like, this is what I really connected with. His older brother was super mod, and all their friends, like, yeah. wore the skinny suits and rode Vespas. And I would love that. But the thing is... I also want to be about, but I'm into too many cultures. This is, uh, no, so true. You are (laughs) Gwen Stefani. And I was like, what's actually so you about that, though, is that he looked up to his older brother. He was like, I wanted to be a part of a group of friends that all had this, like, style. And, like, that had, like, a uniform. yeah. And, like, had this, like, you know, homogenous culture that they were part of. And, like, you wanted that, too. But ultimately, like, you did decide to reject that because you were like, yeah, I'm actually too into both salmon and martini. Right, it's like, sorry, like, yes, I want to wear a Fred Perry, but I also want to wear an 80s t-shirt the next yeah. day and a Western yeah. shirt the next day and yeah. get martinis, but yes. then go to a show. Yeah, and you became your My eclectic own. self. <laughs> and I just collect stuff, whether it's sneakers or Japanese tees. <laughs> and this is why you are the 70-year-old gay man who owns the vintage store, and right. you're like, honey, I'm eclectic. <laughs> And that's why, wow, fuck, yeah, I'm Steve Aoki. Cool. Um, okay. Well, we well, figure it out again. It. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I ultimately, <laughs> I give this book just like two cakes launched into an audience out of five. Yeah, I also give this like two CDJs out of five beauty bars across this great nation because there is some like 
I don't know, like, fun stories where you're like, where else am I reading about, like, him calling MIA and their drama with, like, her UK, like, label heads. But at the same time, I'm also like... Even that part was kind of just like... And then he kind of... And then he was like, yeah, and I do like to think that I can take some credit for, like, getting... Like, making MIA big in the country. But I also, like, didn't really. And it's like, no, you really didn't, like make MIA big in the United States. Yeah, the claiming. It's like the beginning part I found like cooler of just like being a Benny Hanna heir. Yeah. And like everyone assuming he's a Benny like so rich and the struggle of being someone of. No, I got it. Because it's like he did work for his career and people are like, oh, like you just inherited this DJ empire by being like the son of a Benny Hanna-est. And it's like, well, not <laughs> <No>. really. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, some of those books parts where I'm like, whomst cares, babe? <laughs> I was a little yeah. whomst cares. And he's just like, yeah man the killers performed and Interpol performed and it's like yeah they did perform and like again like you have just made some remixes and like I guess if I was more really Off into Stevie EDM like, <laughs> such a huge Aoki fan would be interesting but like I don't know it, there wasn't a ton of illuminating sections to this for me no but honestly that's the thing if you were so freaking deep in the beauty bar scene in 07 like I bet there actually is even a saucier memoir because yeah. I feel like he had to keep on moving along to talk about his I mean, his Drake rig mixes I know it's like there's not a lot of overdoses in this besides DJ AM like, there's a lot of death AM Linkin Park Avicii his dad okay I guess there's four deaths that's kind of a lot for a memoir. Okay. You want I, more? Yeah, but I don't know. It's just like, there's no sex. No, yeah. Well, yeah, he... He and has, in one of the so... drop sections, he talks about marrying this Australian chick, and then, like, and he's like, And divorced. out of respect for her privacy, our relationship did get very messy, but I will not go into that. And I'm like, okay. Cool. Thanks for writing this book where you're not talking about <laughs> your Australian marriage. marriage and divorce. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's our notes. If you want to do another draft, Steve, like please more on the Australian divorce. Yeah, we would. We would be interested. Your fans want to know, or your followers, <laughs> your readers. So next week, though, we are going to have a little bit of a unorthodox conceptual episode you might even say mm. we are we're breaking the mold just the way steve aoki did with music and vinyl and cds and we are going to have our very first lovely book club episode where we do not read a book <laughs> we do not read a book because okay sorry, sorry bitch, it's... have you read 25 books <laughs> like in the past three months because i have no i don't think you have we've literally read 25 books Give me a, a book a break. week so we will be uh having a concept only episode about segments. segments based off our segments yeah and so you should be freaking excited because i'm excited one to just do the segments but also excited not to read a book um so true and we'll each be bringing surprise celebrities to each other to the table to segmentize you have to in a long-term relationship you have to surprise each other. You have to spice it up. Okay, and that's what we're doing right now. This episode's going to be a fresh dildo that I pull out of the dishwasher <laughs> for my long-term partner that she's never seen before. It's got some cool knobs on it. It's glass. <laughs> you used a po- an Adam and Eve podcast code yeah. for it. <laughs> it's a, still a podcast-themed dildo. And I do always <laughs> wash my dildos when they come in the mail. I don't Absolutely. use them dry. You yeah. need to sanitize. So... Okay, and you know what? Right. Subscribe. Follow us. All of the course. Above. Um, at ABC the Pod. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much. See you next week. Party on. Best. Best.
Celebrity Book Club is presented by one of the most incredible promoters in the game, Prologue Projects, and of course, my baller-ass label mate, HeadGum. The show is produced by one of my favorite club owners who rules the Hollywood strip with an iron fist, Meg Murnane, with editorial support um, from this this really, really innovative DJ, uh, Leon Nafok, and then Andrew Parsons, of course, who literally invented throwing cakes in people's faces. And um, Madeline Kaplan, who honestly, like, she was one of the first people I saw to just, like, really fucking, like, go balls to the wall at a show. Like, you know what I mean? We're at a hardcore show and someone's just fucking, like, freaking out. It's a total Christian hardcore show and you're just like, I didn't know I could have this much fun sober. Our production manager is Persia Verlin. Um, she was actually the um, regional marketing director for Coachella for, actually, um, two two seasons, two of their best seasons, personally, in my opinion. Um, engineering by Ferris Manchi, um, who I had a, a really big falling out with, but we're pretty cool now. Um, and I think I think that actually really speaks to his character. Uh, original theme song by Steam Phillips Horst, um, who actually was the first person to introduce me to Kanye's work. Um, so props to him. Uh, artwork by Teddy Blanks at Chips NY, one of the fucking craziest motherfuckers I have ever met. Um, literally got me hooked on acid for uh, six years. Um, and he actually did pass away in a trucking accident. Uh, follow us on Twitter at CBC The Pod. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Um, so Dude, I don't fucking care if it's Stitcher, Apple, whatever, dude. Like, we're a fucking family at the end of the day. And, like, that's what matters. And that's what this industry is all about. Leave us a review. And don't forget to tell your fucking boys about us. Hell yes. Okay. I'll see you out there on the dance floor. Keep on party rocking. That was a HeadGum Podcast. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. And I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.